And hello, everyone in the Rio Grande Valley and the sports community, and welcome to another edition of the Edinburgh Baseball Stadium 20th Anniversary Podcast episode. Don't forget, fans, we drop episodes every Monday through anchor.fm forward slash SCBS and all of our other platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Folks, this is another episode of the 20th anniversary podcast series of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium's 20th birthday. And joining me today, he is perhaps known as one of the bigger no, no, no. I'm going to rephrase that. He's probably known as one of the best icons in radio, perhaps in television. <laughs> but he is Come known on. he is known as the PA voice of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. He's worked in multiple well, let, let's not say multiple. He's worked everywhere. Just about. He is Tony Farina. Tony what? It is a legendary welcome for you. Thanks for joining me. How is everything going? Everything is great, Ray. I appreciate the invite to be on the show. I look forward to uh, to uh, getting all the feedback and the responses, and hopefully we're going to jar some, some memories tonight of the great times that we've had at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium and all the different games that we've seen in action there at uh, what is now UTRGV Baseball Stadium. Excellent, excellent, Tony. I, I gotta ask you, you know, two decades. Where did where did you get your foot in at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium? How did your story uh, become to being the legendary PA voice of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium? Well, I was a fan of the Central Baseball League. Pardon my dog; he's getting a little excited. We're outside. Um, I was a fan of the Central Baseball League before it started uh, the, with the USL, right? Is that what it was? I don't even remember. The UBL. It was the UBL. United Baseball League, right? Yes. Was that before, after Central Baseball League? That was after the Central Baseball League. It was the okay. Texas-Louisiana League before there you then. Go. There you go. So with the Texas-Louisiana League, I was a big fan. I was one of those guys that would travel to Harlingen to go watch the White Wings play. Um, had some great memories there. Uh, used to see the announcer up there and thought, man, this guy's very good. And I was, I was announcing, but I wasn't at that level, shall we say. So for me, it was always the, hey, one day I'm going to get this opportunity. I'll go from being a fan to working with the team, being the announcer. And sure enough, um, back in 1997 uh, is when I first announced at a White Wings game. Uh, before there was even an Edinburgh Roadrunners. Um, and it was, you know, we had the the owner of the league. He was there. Um, there was so many just different folks in attendance. And the owner of the league actually stood over my shoulder. Byron Pierce stood over my shoulder as I started announcing. And it kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I leaned over and I was like, can I help you? Do you need to be here? Like, who are you? And, you know, we had the five CD disc changer. Everybody's walk-up music was on a different disc. You had to, you know, it was, it was so unlike the way it is today with the computer and the laptop. And, you know, it was, it was one of those things like, okay, so I, we started the contest. Byron Pierce heard me announce first couple of innings, said this guy's got what it takes. And, and he left. 
And uh, I did two seasons of Rio Grande Valley white wing baseball um, before I took a season off. And then that's when the next year Edinburgh baseball stadium opened up. And uh, I was asked if I would audition for the PA announcer. And I kind of scratched my head and I said, audition, don't, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I do? And they just kind of guys that were new to the Valley, never had an idea, uh, handed me the microphone and said, go ahead. So I, I asked around and I said, okay, what's your name? And the guy says, my name's Bob Flanagan. And I was like, okay, Bob, uh, what do you do? He goes, well, I'm the marketing coordinator and, and I'll be one of the ones in charge here. I said, okay, did you play ball? And he was like, well, yeah. What position did you play? Center field. You know, what number were you? 14. These are all things that I was just trying to do so that I could put together a mock PA announcement. And it just took one PA announcement and he said, you're hired. You got the job. And from there forward, it was, you know, Edinburgh Baseball Stadium was my thing. Um, I was, it was great because we got to meet so many people. We got to, to just grow our network and our base so much more. Um, here's a team that I remember going to Chad Treadaway's press conference when he's going to be announced as the first manager of the team. Um, and we walk in and we're all sitting there. And the team, the, the league representative comes out and he says, I know that we have a special start time, but our, our baseball manager is still in class because Chad was attending UTPA back in the day. And uh, he's on his way. He'll be here shortly. So it was one of those things like, wow, <laughs> all right, our baseball manager is in class. Never had met Chad Treadway before, had only heard about him and was honored that uh, he was going to be there. Met the general manager, Winston Ayala, uh, the team that was there, Rudy Rodriguez, Jimmy Moon, uh, Jason, and, and all the crew that was there. It was a great opportunity to, to meet these folks and really get the idea to, to work with them uh, side by side as the PA announcer. And, you know, that's, that's where it all started for me, to be honest with you. I mean, I had done PA announcing since I was 18 years old, but um, at that point in my, at my life, that was the first time that I was actually going to be, you know, doing something major and getting my foot on the ground floor like that was something special for me. You know, you talk about being the first PA announcer for Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. What do you recall from season number one, uh, being there, all the networking that had to be done? What, what stood out to you? How special it was. How, uh, you know, the, the, the day of the first game, I think I, I, I want to say it was May 16th was the first game. Um, me and my wife, Miriam, had welcomed our third child, uh, Alicia, May 14th. And it wasn't something where it was like, okay, you know, we're going to do run-throughs or, or we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was just essentially we've all done public address. We've all done work before, so, so let's go. So the camera guys that were there, they were the TV camera guys. Everybody had this, this I don't want to say delusion of grandeur. We all thought, you know, we're going to be making some, some huge bucks and everything, but at the end of the day, it was minor league baseball, and we were just there to have some fun and, and great laughs and great times and, and meet new people. So, you know, I was standing out there in a tuxedo uh, introducing all the contractors, all the guys that were the electricians, the, uh, the crews that brought everything together before we even had our first pitch. So that was one of the things that just kind of, you know, 
opens your eyes and you say, wow, this is, this is going to be a great time. This is going to be something special. And to have, you know, a team that was led by an Edinburgh High School product in Chad Treadaway, I mean, you couldn't write a better story. You couldn't write a better script for, for what that first season was going to be. A team that is brand new to the league. Nobody's expecting much. Chad puts together this team, and we end up winning the championship um, that year. I think it was against San Angelo at our place and having a blast and, and doing all the great stuff that came with, with minor league baseball. You know, so so many stories go by, and I remember being part of the press box crew back in a season number four when the Roadrunners had won their second championship. You know, how do you think the shape of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium then to now has helped the sports landscape here in the Rio Grande Valley? You know, Ray, that's, that's a great question. And I was thinking of it earlier because, I mean, that was the first one. You, you think of Bird Ogden Arena. You think of the Payne Arena. Uh, you think of the uh, HEB Park. Before all those, there was Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. That's the one that proved that our, our community could support such an endeavor. That was the one that showed that you know what, if you work hard and if you market it correctly and if you bring a great team to the area, it'll be successful. Now, listen, there was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes that a lot of people probably aren't aware of with, with Edinburgh Baseball Stadium and the city of Edinburgh and the eventual transition from Texas Louisiana League to Central Baseball League to ULB. I mean, it, there were so many different things that came into play that, that people aren't aware of um, that, you know, really aren't discussed because it's not relevant. But Edinburgh Baseball Stadium was the one where you said, look, I can actually sell marketing to a sports team. I can, I can have a sports team and, and be successful at it. And, and a lot of people say, well, that's semi-pro baseball. No, it was professional baseball. It's not, you know, where you're making in millions of dollars. It's not where you're, you know, going to be having, you know, I think there was only two or three guys that eventually made it to the major leagues from, from uh, the Edinburgh Baseball League and Edinburgh Baseball Stadium and, and the Edinburgh Roadrunners. But, you know, there were guys that, that did advance. So for us, that was the key thing. And, and Edinburgh Baseball Stadium has proven that, you know, you can grow and you can develop um, – such a sports facility you know tony i i will be remiss in asking you you've seen the full revolution of edinburgh baseball stadium from hosting independent baseball to full-fledged division one baseball and i will ask you did, did you like the double walls then or do you like the way it's shaped now um you know i'm an old school guy i like the double walls uh, I like the, uh, the the fact that, you know, you really had to crush it. You know, nothing against the way the, the new uh, corrals are set up in right field at, at UTRGB Baseball Stadium. I think that's great to get the fans involved. But, you know, it, it was one of those things where, like, okay, we, we kind of took down some walls. But I think, it, I think it's working right now. And I, I think to see the vaqueros in there, um, to be 100% honest, I'm glad that it's getting used. Uh, I'd like to see more use at UTRGB Baseball Stadium, even in the off season. I'd like to see some 
different tournaments go in there. I'd like to see some some movies in the park, you know, bring a lawn chair. Let's pop it up on the video board. I, I think that's how the community really ingrains itself and, and becomes loyal to the park, shall we say. Now, I know there has been a lot of criticism in the past about hosting another independent baseball team, but would there be enough support to kind of support like a Texas Collegiate Baseball League team where maybe you could have a couple of UTRGV guys be a part of the team and kind of continue that uh, summer baseball tradition that, that's been missing for like the last few years? I think so. I think that there's, there's an interest there. I mean, obviously, um, it's going to take a lot of people pulling together. It's going to take uh, a lot of people coming in and saying, hey, here's what the league is for. It's to develop these college players. Um, we're going to need housing. We'll need different people that will come in and help underwrite it. But I think that there's, uh, there's always an interest to, to grow the program. And I think Coach Matlock would definitely appreciate um, something like that. You know, obviously, he can't be hands-on involved in it. Uh, per NCAA regulations, but I think there's other people that could jump in and, and assist and, and make sure that, you know, everything is done legit by the books and, and we're having a successful program year round. You know, I, I did, I did have a podcast uh, some time ago with another guest um, mentioning the fact, is there enough baseball year round, at least now at the pro amateur level? I mean, yes, you have UTRGV, which is a staple hold for baseball, which starts from February and runs through May. But we're talking about June, July, August, where your prime baseball months are. Do you think there's enough support to kind of br bring in that Texas collegiate team, even if it's not at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium? Say you could put it at the campus of UTB Brownsville, where they have a nice small facility somewhere around those parts of town? I think so. I think even if you look at historic Harlingen Field, um, you know, if you want to bring them into UT Brownsville, the only thing there, and it's been a while since I've been there, so I don't know if they have lights. I think that was one of the things that held them back um, when the merger occur occurred, that, you know, the field was in muscle mentals condition and it didn't have lights. Uh, historic Harlingen Field sits empty. I don't even know if Harlingen CISD is using that um, to, to play their games for, for the Hawks and for the Cardinals. So I think that, you know, listen, there's got to be an investment. And that and that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. You've got to put money back in. It's great when you're making money and you're saying, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But at some point, you've got to reinvest and you've got to make the program, you've got to make the stadium and the venue a little bit better. And, you know, we've seen that uh, at Payne Arena. These guys always seem to be adding something new uh, that is a different attraction for those folks that may only go once or twice a year. Um, we've seen it at Bird Ogden Arena, where they've actually now opened that back venue. Uh, they have a, a, what they call the Vipers Garden, and they, they have a, a venue outside, especially through these COVID times. So I think that there's several opportunities that, uh, that can be done if the right people jump in and, and invest some time and effort. As I'm being joined by Tony Farina, who's the public address announcer for UTRGV Athletics, Tony, I must be remiss to ask, what is your non-favorite baseball story that is family-friendly that you can share with the uh, folks listening? My non-favorite baseball story. 
from ba Edinburgh, Edinburgh Baseball Stadium that you can share. Man, I think that was it was early on. They were doing some sort of uh, a thon. I don't remember what it was, but they were really they were using every aspect of the field. And our groundskeeper was like, "Get those people off my field." I'm manicuring lawn. We have games coming up in two weeks and these people are on and they're trampling my grass and, and he, he didn't lose it. It's important to say that he didn't lose it, but he was very close in actually losing it and saying, you know, get out of my stadium, move on. So that, that I think that would be my, my, the most relevant one I can share. Nice. Nice. So one of my favorite non baseball stories from Edinburgh baseball stadium is when they had the uh, the World Cup viewing party out there for, yeah. for, for those soccer games and the, the soccer nuts, the uh, the USA versus Germany match, which is such a heartbreaker. Yes, Hugh Dallas, it's still a handball here in China and everywhere you go. Ireland sends high too. But anyhow, Tony, aside from the from the baseball, the networking, what, what's been the, the favorite thing that you've always enjoyed about Edinburgh Baseball Stadium? The camaraderie. To me, it's the camaraderie. It's people that I may not see for six, seven months, but when I do see them, we pick up exactly where we left off. And it's always something good. And it's, you know, it's always positive and and when they're down, then you're kind of down. And when they're up, you're definitely up. And it's it's something that, that really makes it enjoyable and, and pleasant to be around. So for me, it's the camaraderie because I, I won't see people that, you know, I, I normally catch um, outside the months of February to, to June. But, you know, come July, it's like, okay, well, I'll see you next baseball season and, and we'll work there. And yeah, you see them on social media and, and you get a chance to, you know, converse with them. But it's not something that you see them weekly and, or you see them every two weeks and, Hey, you know what, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Especially now in this time of COVID, there was a lot of people that, you know, we would see there on a regular basis and, and you just don't see anymore. Well, Tony, I, I, I will be remiss to ask your favorite memory of Edinburgh baseball stadium that included the Edinburgh Roadrunners. The championships. The, championship. uh, the first one or the second one? The first one. The first one. Obviously, you know, you've got you're the new kids in town. You're playing at your house. You know, you've got a, a homegrown manager who's there and who's going to to lead the, the team. And, you know, the second one, there was one roster move that was made by Chad Treadaway. One move that was made, and it was to pick up Patrick O'Sullivan. And uh, that was the one move that was made throughout the entire season. And unfortunately he had to cut a pitcher and the pitcher's dad like called Chad and was like, dude, why are you, why are you cutting my kid? Why I don't understand. He's, he's been a good soldier and, and he's been working for you. And, and Chad essentially, you know, said, Hey, I, I got a bomber. I, I can bring in this kid that, that crushes the ball every time he goes up to bat. And, and sure enough, that's what O'Sullivan used to do. I mean, every time he got up to bat, people would, get the home run buckets ready because, you know, Sullivan was coming up to bat. So for me, that would be the, uh, the, the best stories, the championships and, and the, the, the lifelong friendships that have been made through baseball. You know, 
I am going to hold up an image of my personal favorite uh, season working there at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. Now, I'm still debating whether this should be on YouTube or not, but I'm, I am going to flip this picture and let everyone see it. Yeah. Yeah. Now someone told now someone told me this is a totally a plastered Anthony Angel. I started laughing because you couldn't tell whether he was at, you know drunk and holding the uh, CBL Cup trophy or not. <laughs> but this was the actual season in which I walked in. There you go. There you go. When you had Chad Way and Vince Moore and Rowdy the Roadrunner right there on the schedule cards. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I still keep those two keepsakes plus my credential that is somewhere stored in a nice plastic box with all of my other credentials of, of, folding, of folded in teams and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I will ask your favorite UTRGV baseball moment. Oh, man. Um, last year or two years ago when UTRGV uh, split the WAC championship and, and watching the game, uh, the opposing, the away game on the video board and seeing the guys' reaction uh, when they found out that they had, they had won a part of the WAC championship. Now, they may not have won at all, but they won a part of the WAC championship and, and the celebration that ensued there. Uh, for, for me, uh, I know I was there at the stadium that game. And I know I had to leave early because of, of other sporting events to tend to. You did? Uh, yeah. Um, I remember it was California Baptist visiting uh, New Mexico State. Yep. Or vice versa. I can't, I can't remember. But I, all I remember is hearing the New Mexico State announcer. Uh, doing the play-by-play as I'm leaving the stadium. I'm all like, oh, man, like I can't stay for another two innings. Not like this, not holding myself into suspension. I I get to HEB Park that day. I'm like, yes, relief. You know, there's a three-way share of the the WAC championship. But one of my favorite moments was with uh, rest in peace, uh, Coach Mantrana. Uh, He was celebrating his wife's birthday. And I remember the marketing team just running like crazy all over the stadium, tending to his wife for his birthday. And we were hosting a a non-conference home series. I I thought that win was pretty awesome because not only did we get to go home early because of the mercy rule, but everyone left there like happy because the coach got to celebrate er early with his wife for his birthday and all that stuff. And, and, and that to me, that that kind of made like the camaraderie uh, really cool, something really special to be a part of. Yep. Yeah. And those are moments that we'll never forget that are, are permanently engraved in our minds and and that we'll be able to share with with our different friends and family and, and have those moments. I mean, you know, one of my uh, another favorite moment of mine was when we hosted the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Um, they were coming in to perform and. You know, for us, it was it was pretty simple because we had to follow the Cowboy cheerleaders lead. They they provided everything. I, I as an announcer was non-existent except to hit play on the music because even their their announcement 
was pre-recorded and you know it was it was one of those things like well why am i here so they brought us in early um we we normally had our game day meetings they bring us in early we have the stadium completely locked down um our photographer extraordinaire julio gonzalez was there and there was one one player in particular uh pitcher uh Piflo, Pedro Flores, and and he was there. So, you know, we've got the sound system cranked up. The the big Dallas Cowboy announcer voice, welcome to the field. You're the often imitated but never duplicated. They are the ambassadors around the world, Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And, and they came out, and they're doing a high kick routine. And out of the dugout, here comes Rowdy the Roadrunner, sprinting around the field and we sat there and we went who is in the rowdy the roadrunner costume and who is potentially going to cost us this presentation of the dallas cowboy cheerleaders and it was pedro flores and he was just doing his stretching and he was you know warming up limbering up for the game but he was dressed in the rowdy the roadrunner uniform and you know the the ladies got a kick out of it thank goodness but it was one of those things where, you know, that could have cost us the promotion that night um, because we didn't adhere to their their rules and regulations of having this practice time all to themselves. And we had uh, we had one of our players out there as as the mascot. So, you know, that mascot costume that that in itself, uh, Terry Bevington, he was the coach for the Shreveport Sports. I'll Shreveport never forget Sports. that night either. Oh my God, that was some media gold. Hello, so Todd Madrellis. We're getting ready for the con for the game, and you know, as we as we go through our checklist, and you know, we we have the the music that starts the minute the doors open. It was all choreographed. Doors open at six o'clock, so we had an hour's worth of music pre-selected. It played by itself. All we had to do was hit play. The last song uh, was Put Me In Coach, I'm Ready To Play. After that, we would start with our introduction of Rowdy the Roadrunner. He would come in from the first baseline and the right field wall would open and here comes Rowdy the Roadrunner and he would just go around to the left field and he'd go out the opposing team uh, uh, locker room. So as we're going through the checklist, well, where's Rowdy's costume? Where's, where's what do you mean? Where's Rowdy's costume? And where's Rowdy's costume? And doesn't he have it? And sh he should have it. And, you know, I don't want to divulge his identity. I'm sure everybody knows, but for for those that don't, you know, it's it's we couldn't find Rowdy's costume. We couldn't find it. The Roadrunner costume was missing. And as we did our our searches and we're looking around the entire stadium, somebody went into the coach's office and found it hanging behind the door. I mean, to the point where there was going to be a police report filed. And, and this was one of those moments where, you know, it was minor league baseball. It was the, the shenanigans that you would hear, uh, you would hear about with the Durham Bulls. Only this time it was happening in Edinburgh, Texas with the Edinburgh Roadrunners where the opposing manager somehow got his hands on the mascot suit because the mascot the night before had done something that uh, he didn't appreciate and was going to prevent him from performing. But minutes before the game, we, we found the suit and everything went off without a hitch. <laughs> yes, I, re I remember that incident so well. 
that Todd Mavrellas, the beat writer at the time, he had a pretty good little uh, write-up about it uh, days later about Rowdy Gate. And, and I'll never remember that those days because um, Shreveport had a visiting uh, play-by-play guy. And it was that same series where their broadcaster comes in. And I mean, he, and I'm 16 at the time. So I am just like belittled by the guy because I had in their starting lineup had a name of Jason Slanina as a starting pitcher. He gets hurt during warm-up tosses in the bottom of the first tone. And umpires meet, meet in the bump. Manager comes out, pulls the starting pitcher, has to go to his bullpen at the time, if, if memory serves me correct. So we have to bring in the guy, and we have to wait at least another 10 minutes before the game gets started. And it was that same series with uh, Terry Bevington. And I'll never forget hearing from the broadcaster, you know, we came here shorthanded. And now this BS happens. And ADB, who was the broadcaster at the time, well, uh, was like in his best mantra saying, hey, look, we'll get this covered. We'll get this corrected. And pretty much the guy was fuming mad while Rowdy Gate happened just a few days before. Yep. And yep. those are some of the stories that I'll never forget. Tony, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to come on by, talk about the 20th anniversary of Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. Where can they find you on social media? Man, I'm on Twitter at 956Farina, at 956F-O-R-I-N-A. That's, you know, you can find me there. If you you catch me on Facebook, um, I I don't accept everybody. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm very (laughs) particular. But, uh, you know, hey. That's that's where I'm at, and uh, that's that's about it. But you can still catch me at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium when the uh, UTRGV Vaqueros are in town. Most of my uh, most of the games there I do cover, um, and and still do the PA and still do the stuff that we did back 20 years ago when we opened the ballpark. Tony, it's been a privilege to have you on. I appreciate you accepting the invite. Many thanks for jumping on. You got it, Ray. I appreciate you, brother, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Tony. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.